0: I imagine that some of you, after hearing the gospel lesson for today, thought, oh gosh, why would we come to church today? This is a doozy. As I walk through this homily, I want to direct your attention to the printout of the gospel that was placed in your leaflet, divided with some space around it, because it's with this kind of breaking that I'm going to talk about this gospel message, and I left lots of white space so you can make some notes. That way, if you want to talk with me later about any particular point, you'll remember where it was that it jogged your attention and got your, um, got, jogged your memory. Can I have a show of hands for anyone who has received an allowance in their life? Very good. And what about anyone, if you could raise your hand, if you have had to determine what an allowance should be? Indeed, it is a topic of conversation. I know that I've spoken with many friends who, in raising children, have debated how to compensate, if you will, or is it even considered compensation, our children for the work that has to be done. Long conversations about the value of the dishwasher unloading or is clearing the plate to be assumed or clearing the room to be assumed? What about mowing the lawn? Is that a bigger ticket item than maybe emptying the garbage? Perhaps you know this conversation. Somehow we want, as parents, to instill in our children this understanding that money doesn't grow on trees. It doesn't fall from the sky. It has to be earned. There is an honest pay for honest work and we want from the very beginning our young people to get a sense of that we have found a way to do allowance in our household and a way to designate what allowance is for and it became a bigger conversation than we had expected a few years ago when one of our children wanted to participate in something that everybody was doing the news had come out There was a big event going to be happening, and it was going to cost around $100 to be a part of it. Well, you can imagine the request that came to us, can I please go? And we sat down for a conversation and said, well, this isn't in our budget, this event, but you can spend your allowance on going. The young person in our family said, but this will take all my money that I've been saving. And we said, I know. And they said, if I put it all and go toward this event, then I'm not going to have anything left over. And we said, I know. It's a big decision, isn't it? After a while, this young person in our family said, you know what, I want to do this. I am. I'm going to put the money that I've saved toward going to this event. And then the plans were laid out. But as invariably happens, I got an email that there was an additional cost that hadn't been factored into the original cost, you know, a couple of extra things that if you didn't already have them at home, you would have to have them for legal reasons or whatever. This added an additional, I don't know, $30, $40, $50. I can't remember the details. So we went back to this kid and said, uh, guess what, there's an additional fee 30 or 40 or $50, whatever it was, that you have to do in order to make this work. And we're willing to advance you your allowance if you want to go. But we also want to tell you we understand if you want out. And that would be okay too. And our young person considered and thought and said, no, I want to go. We advanced them the money and they went on this event. It is a lifetime's work to make a determination about whether something costs what it should cost or not, what we're willing to pay for it, what we think is a fair exchange for the work that's been given, what is an honest day's pay for an honest day's work, and I am certain every single person here has had a lengthy conversation about this numerous times in their lives. What is an honest pay's day for an honest pay's work, honest day's work? And so we come to this gospel lesson today with these conversations in us, as the rich man says to his manager, "I heard you've been squandering my money." Now, what does squandering mean? We could debate that. We have really good friends that when we go out with them, they never order drinks, they only get water. Why? Because they say, "Oh, the drinks are such a markup. I'm not paying 250 or four dollars for a soda or a glass of iced tea." They feel like that's squandering their money. We feel like, hey, we never go out, so I'm going to get iced tea if I want it. So you could debate what squandering means. That, that is for you to do. But the point is, the rich man understood that his manager was squandering his money, and he had a problem with that. And so he says to him, you're not going to be employed any longer. And what does this manager do, this dishonest manager? He goes to the people who still owe the rich man money, and invites them to cut their debt significantly. Now, we might have a problem with this and think that the word dishonest is applying this very activity, but as we'll see in a minute as we go further into the story, the rich man actually commends him for this activity. The dishonesty of the manager was that he forgot whose money it was all along, and so he spent it as he wanted to, not as he thought the rich man wanted it spent He organized the affairs of of the rich man as he wanted to, or didn't care, rather than reflecting the priorities of the rich man. That's what made him dishonest. He forgot his role in this relationship. He's not dishonest, if you will, or at least not by the rich man's standards, in cutting the debt of those that owe him money. It says here that the rich man commends the dishonest manager for his shrewdness, Now, what does that tell us about the rich man? What does that tell us about his priorities? He commends this manager because he has built relationship with the wealth that is not his own. And he says, good job, because it is about the relationship of people one to another. And invariably, the rich man comes off looking good as he does not hold his debtors to the full price that they owe him. And he appreciates The dishonest manager considering how his actions reflect on the rich man in this parable we can see that God is the rich man and we are the managers and sometimes we too forget whose it is that we're managing and we treat it as we want to treat it with disregard sometimes for the priorities of the rich man the priorities of God and so here we see the rich man commend the dishonest manager But he goes on to say, Jesus, in the conclusion of that story, then goes on to tell the listeners, I tell you, make friends for yourselves by means of dishonest wealth, so that when it is gone, they may welcome you into the eternal homes. Dishonest wealth. He didn't earn it. This manager didn't earn the money that he had to use. There's where the dishonesty is. We even have these debates as we consider the pay scale of various occupations in society. It was fun because I offered at the 8 o'clock service just one example. You know, the social worker has paid this amount and the professional athlete has paid this amount. Now, discuss. And following last, the earlier service, we did discuss that those weren't an issue for the people in that conversation. They had other things on their list about what should be right, rightly paid for right kind of work, and this example and that example, and that's exactly where this gospel is taking us. To that awareness that sometimes you get things that you didn't earn. You just get it. That could be considered dishonest because you didn't earn it. Honest wages for honest, pe- honest work. You didn't earn that. You just got it. When we moved here a little over four years ago and moved into the rectory, it was time to have a conversation. Anyone who's walked by that house knows that it's quite something. So we sat down our kids and we said, look, we just get to live here. This is not a reflection then I'm a harder-working priest or a smarter priest or anything like that. I know a lot of clergy who work as hard as I do and who are as smart as I am, and they don't live in a house like this. This comes with the job. We also want you to know that this isn't a stepping stone. Like, so you live here now, and then it just keeps getting bigger and bigger, like there's some ladder that we're climbing up in housing. It could be considered that that house is a dishonest piece of wealth for us. I didn't earn that. It's where the rector lives. All of us have this. All of us have wealth that we didn't earn. Every single one of us does. A gift from a friend, something from our parents, something that's been passed down to us. We didn't earn it. We just get to use it. Jesus, in telling this story, is saying, Take note of that. It's yours to use. How will you use it in a way that reflects the values of God? His second instruction is whoever is faithful in a little is faithful in much and who's dishonest in little is dishonest also in much. And if you have not been faithful with dishonest wealth, who will entrust you with the true riches? And if you haven't been faithful with what belongs to another, who's going to give you what's your own? I know of someone who worked his career in trust funds and a particular time when he encountered a young person who was going to be the inheritor of all of this that his family had accrued over many generations and he was so furious this particular man who oversaw trust funds because of the flippancy of the young person who was to inherit it golly he thought do you even know what you've been given no it just came to him he didn't earn it He happened to have been born into the family that has it to pass down. It didn't come to him honestly.